Welcome to T.R. Price's Confident Conversations on Retirement. My name is Michael Davis, and I'm thrilled to be your host. I've spent my career working to help people build a durable retirement. It is such an honor to do this work and an even greater privilege to be with the retirement experts here with us today. These professionals can help you feel more confident about your own retirement, whether you're planning for retirement or already there. This episode poses a provocative question. Can you have too much cash? We'll focus on the role that cash plays in the finances of people either already in retirement or who are planning for it. I'm joined today by two T.R. Price experts, Jeremy Flagg, a chartered retirement planning counselor, and Judith Ward, a certified financial planner and contributor to Forbes.com. Judy and Jeremy, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks. Thank you so much, Michael. It's great to have you here. This is going to be such a fascinating conversation, so we should get right to it. So, Jeremy, can you have too much cash? Well, Michael, to be blunt, yes, yes, you can. However, when answering this question, it's important to remember that every situation is different, and each individual and family really needs to assess their own unique goals and challenges in order to determine what's the appropriate amount of cash that they should carry at any given point in time. While not having enough cash can certainly be disastrous, having too much will be a drag on your returns and can sap future spending. So a delicate balance has to be struck here. How about you, Judy? Can you have too much cash? You can, but let's talk about the role of cash. So cash, we need it for our immediate spending. We need it for immediate-term goals, for short-term goals. But when you're investing for the long-term, such as retirement, cash, as Jeremy said, can really be a drag. You want to have the highest balance that you can have by retirement time. And so when you're saving, cash just isn't going to get you there. You have to have an asset allocation that consists of stocks and bonds or some combination. But cash definitely has its purposes for immediate term goals and also this idea of a personal safety net for your situation. So I'm hearing that stashing a lot of cash in the mattress probably is not good advice. (laughs) So for years, as you both know, financial experts have stressed the importance of an emergency fund, mostly when we are working. So I've seen different amounts proposed and recommended over the course of the years. And I'm just curious, is there a recommendation based on your thoughts that you would put forward for the audience? And I'll start with you, Judy. Yeah. At T. Rowe Price, we generally say an amount that's three to six months that could cover three to six months of expenses is a good guideline for an emergency fund. And let's talk about the reason for an emergency fund. Should something happen, either income uncertainty, challenges, a large unexpected or unbudgeted expense, for example, if someone should lose their job, it helps you get through these periods of uncertainty. So for you know a couple that is both working, they could have the safety net of a second salary should one spouse lose their job. So three months of expenses might be enough in that case. But if you have a one spouse that's responsible for the household or income that's unpredictable, then you might want to lean towards six months of expenses. The other thing I stress is that, again, the emergency fund, it's your personal safety net. It helps you get through these periods of uncertainty. And as a financial planner, we like people to have that money on the side so that they don't have to tap into their retirement accounts or derail their long-term goals. That's a great answer, Judy. How about you, Jeremy? Your thoughts on the question? Yeah, I totally agree with the rule of thumb that Judy laid out. Three to six months of expenses is a great starting point. 
I've found in my work with clients that they have incredibly varied needs and diverse goals. And those can lead to honestly wildly different answers as to how much cash they should hold. Some of my clients have a desire to hold extra cash in reserve above that three to six month target for lots of different reasons. Perhaps some uncertainty around their employment situation that Judy mentioned, or maybe they want to have extra cash in case one of their children decide to get married. Others still like just having some reserves that they can deploy if an attractive opportunity comes along that they want to take advantage of. And then still others just like to have that extra peace of mind that they've got plenty set aside to meet future income goals and that they'll be set. I would say especially for folks who aren't married or divorced or widowed that are single and may not have the luxury of a second income in the household, it's really important to have that emergency fund, to have that money on the side in case of these economic challenges, should you lose your job, all of the reasons that we just said. But I think it's even more important for people that don't have a second income. Yeah. And I've found clients who are in that circumstance absolutely appreciate the peace of mind that's generated from having those extra savings around so they don't have to feel compelled to worry if they see that the Dow's down a couple of points on the news. So how much cash should retirees have set aside? Let's start with you, Judy. Sure. I view it a little differently for folks that are in retirement. As I mentioned earlier, this idea of an emergency fund, this cash on the side is important for those that are saving for retirement and working so that they don't have to tap into their retirement accounts. Well, if you're retired, you're probably using your retirement accounts for your spending. So I see it a little differently. I call it a cash cushion for retirees. And generally, we might see maybe one to two years of income needs in this cash cushion. And the reason behind that is if the markets go down, if there's a challenging time and a retiree does not want to have to spend from their retirement accounts or take a distribution when the market is down, this cash cushion is an alternative that they can use for their spending. And the reason we say maybe one to two years is we've looked back at history and we see that with a balanced type of portfolio that's maybe 60% stock, 40% bond, during some of the worst market downturns, it, it took a year, a little over a year, for that kind of a portfolio to recover. And so we think that's a pretty good time period to consider for having this alternative cash. A friend of mine, he actually calls it his sleep at night money. <laughs> so I, th- I think it just it plays that role, too. It just might make you feel a little more comfortable. I love that idea. Thanks so much, Judy. How about you, Jeremy? You have any thoughts on that question? I do, Michael. And apologies if I'm starting to sound like a broken record here, but uh, the answer is really it depends. While the guidelines are helpful as a starting point, you know, in my working with clients, I found that every situation is unique and the right answer for you is probably going to be very different from the right answer for your best friend, for example. I will say that retirees often have very specific spending goals that can include some rather large one-time expenses, which require larger amounts of cash to be held in preparation for that. The last thing we want to do is subject money intended for a specific purpose for an unnecessary risk and then potentially be faced with having to sell that asset for less than what it was worth, say, just six months ago. So with that example, you can see that the amount of cash that a retiree needs to hold is probably going to wax and wane over time, depending on their spending goals in the immediate future. Really thoughtful. 
And I'll stick with you, Jeremy, on the next question. Are there downsides to having too much cash? And if so, what are they? Yeah, so to be honest, there are actually plenty of downsides associated with carrying too much cash. For one, as we alluded to earlier, the overall performance of your portfolio is likely to be lower as cash positions will drag on long-term returns. Ultimately, the effect on your retirement plan of having fewer assets available, Judy talked about wanting to make sure that that retirement balance was as high as possible for you. And that's because we don't want to have the portfolio lose ground to inflation. That could put you at risk of running out of money if you happen to live longer than anticipated or if inflation was higher than what we planned for. Furthermore, not having enough saved could impact things that you wanted to do in retirement to enjoy and take advantage of the additional time that you had and have worked for. And for some people, that could just mean not being able to support children or grandchildren or charities to the extent that you'd planned for. So ultimately, what this comes down to is not being able to do all of the things you really wanted to do. Hmm. Well said. How about you, Judy? Any downsides to having too much cash? It really is going to keep you from that growth potential that comes from other asset classes, such as stocks, that growth potential is so important, along with what you're saving yourself to reach those longer-term goals. So being invested for long-term goals, especially like a goal for retirement that's many, many years away, you want to grow that balance. So well said. So how does the importance of cash change as we near retirement or are living in retirement? I'll come to you, Jeremy, with that question. So Michael, I would say almost universally, the importance it increases, and for a number of reasons. The most obvious is probably the fact that that income spigot, the money that you were earning from your employer, that got turned off now. So all spending has to be covered from fixed sources and then supplemented by whatever investments you were able to accumulate. With the uncertainty around market conditions at any one particular time, it's really critical that retirees aren't forced to liquidate a long-term investment if we experience a protracted downturn or else they could run the risk of not being able to recover. And then they're more likely to run out of assets that they need to live off of. Another reason I've found is this wonderful exercise we go through where we envision what life might be like and all the things we want to see and do. Unsurprisingly, most of those things require some money. And I found that recent retirees do tend to spend substantially more during the first few years than say in the middle portion. Think things like home improvements or bucket list travel, big celebrations and things of that nature. And then, again, as we approach end of life, those medical expenses can grow pretty significantly. And those can come at unpredictable times, which just heightens the need for a larger cash cushion. Excellent. Thank you so much. So, Judy, what if I'm a conservative investor and I really like cash? I just like to stack it up, see it, (laughs) be able to touch it. But I get that I need to at least keep up with inflation. What options do you think I would have as a conservative investor? Well, let's talk first about what are you trying to achieve? What are your goals? Again, if it's a long-term goal, being a conservative investor, you can still have an asset allocation that reflects your risk tolerance, that is stocks, bonds, and a mixture of cash. If you're talking about just the cash that you want to have on hand for immediate goals or your emergency fund or something like that, there are other options than just a money market or a bank savings. There could be some short-term bond considerations. 
ultra-short-term bonds, and if you're in a higher tax bracket, there's municipal short-term bonds that you could consider. So you could go out on the yield curve a little bit, understanding that there could be fluctuation in prices for those types of investments, but you could get a little more yield while still being in a little more conservative investments, if you will. And when you say go out further on the yield curve, you mean investing in longer-dated securities? Well, longer than money market securities, for example, or a bank savings account, but not too far (laughs) (laughs) because of you still want the price fluctuation not to be drastic. So I'm still talking about the short end, like short-term bonds or ultra-short-term bonds, short-term municipal bonds, those kinds of things. What about you, Jeremy? Any thoughts on this idea of inflation, keeping up with it versus being a conservative investor and really liking to hold on to cash? I mean, it's a good point, Michael. I think regardless of whether you want to be conservative or aggressive as a basic philosophy, inflation poses a serious long-term risk to the portfolio. For example, if inflation proceeded at a rate of just 3% per year and your cash is only earning you 1%, you are essentially losing 2% every year to purchasing power. And I don't know about you, but if somebody told me, hey, I've got this investment and it's going to lose 45% over the next 30 years, Probably wouldn't buy it, would you, Michael? (laughs) Probably not. So for younger investors, it's even more critical for them to reduce the amount of cash that they hold as those timeframes are so stretched. Not only does that reduce their purchasing power, but they could be missing out on decades of compound growth potential. So ultimately, we're trying to ensure that individuals have the largest pot of money available to them at retirement. And by limiting the amount of cash you're holding, is one of the best ways to accomplish that. That's great. Jeremy, do those short-term investments also work for younger investors as a place for them to save for their mid-range goals? Absolutely. You know, Michael, goals and, and timeframes, there truly are age agnostic. Investment options that Judy just went over, they're great places to consider as a younger person might be building up savings for, say, a big vacation or a new car or a down payment on a home. Ultimately, the goal here is just to maximize the return potential while still limiting that investment risk that Judy was discussing. This way, you aren't responsible for doing all of the heavy lifting when working towards these goals because your savings will be growing simultaneously along with what you're putting aside. And I help clients every day identify investments in those areas and have seen how successful they can be in getting them where they're trying to go. Excellent. Well, we said this was going to be an interesting discussion. It certainly did feel that way. Just a terrific conversation. Would uh, be great just to identify some key takeaways for our listeners from today's discussion. And Judy, I'll start with you. I think some key takeaways is when we say cash, we're really talking about maybe a bank savings account, money market securities, those kinds of things, maybe even considered short CDs. They definitely have a purpose. But for longer-term goals, you might feel like you're playing it safe if you have a lot of cash, but in the long term, it's going to be a drag on your portfolio, and you need to be invested for your long-term goals. Great. So well said. Jeremy, what about you? Any key takeaways for our listeners today? Yeah. So you know, I think rules of thumb offer a great starting place for everyone, but it is important that you go deeper and identify what your unique goals are going to require. And then for any cash that exceeds those specific goals that you've identified, consider utilizing short-term bonds or other securities that were mentioned here in order to gain the opportunity to earn a bit more yield than the cash can provide 
and still offering relatively low levels of volatility for security purposes. That's great. Well, it's hard to say, but our time is actually up. It's been such a great discussion. The time has really flown by. But before we go, I wanted to ask each of you to give our listeners, as we always do, one final parting thought or action step they can take. Judy, I'll start with you. There are some real needs to have cash. I mean, we need it for our spending every day. I particularly like the role of the emergency fund, and I think that's so important. The purpose of an emergency fund is to keep your finances and savings goals intact should you experience a financial shock. You don't want to have to raid your retirement accounts or potentially be off track for retirement through some period of financial uncertainty. So it definitely try to build up that emergency fund so that you can then be and continue to stay on track for your longer-term financial goals, such as retirement. So maybe you're sitting there after listening to this thinking, I've definitely covered my bases. My emergency fund is plenty sufficient. And maybe you're sitting there going, I've got a ton of extra cash, and I, I need to do something with that because I know that there's this purchasing power being eroded by inflation, and you're missing out on the compound returns of being able to apply those investments appropriately. So you may be thinking, what do I do? You really need to think deeply about your own situation and goals. Utilizing rules of thumb will get you in the ballpark, but you need to refine your target from there. So if you aren't sure what makes sense, or maybe you're struggling to determine if you're considering all of the important variables, consider giving a financial professional a call. We help clients through these types of discussions every day. Terrific insights all the way around. Thanks so much, Judy Jeremy, for joining us today. Thanks. It was great to be with you, Michael. Thank you, Michael, so much. Thank you for being here. Again, I'm Michael Davis. I want to thank you for listening to Confident Conversations on Retirement. Be sure to join us for our next episode that focuses on retirement resolutions. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, be well, and I wish you all many confident tomorrows to come. T. Rowe Price, retire with confidence. This episode of Confident Conversations on Retirement is provided for general and educational purposes only and is not intended to provide legal, tax, or investment advice. This podcast does not provide recommendations concerning investments, investment strategies, or account types. It is not individualized to the needs of any specific investor and not intended to suggest any particular investment action is appropriate for you, nor is it intended to serve as a primary basis for investment decision-making. Investors will need to consider their own circumstances before making an investment decision. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. The views contained herein are as of the date noted on the material and are subject to change without notice. These views may differ from those of other T. Rowe Price Group companies and or associates. This information is not intended to reflect a current or past recommendation, investment advice of any kind, or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment services. The material has not been reviewed by any regulatory authority in any jurisdiction. The opinions and commentary provided do not take into account the investment objectives or financial situation of any particular investor or class of investor. Investors will need to consider their own circumstances before making an investment decision. Information and opinions presented have been obtained or derived from sources believed to be reliable and current. However, we cannot guarantee the source's accuracy or completeness. 
Copyright 2021, T. Rowe Price, all rights reserved. T. Rowe Price, invest with confidence, retire with confidence, the bighorn sheep design, and confident conversations, collectively and or apart, are trademarks of T. Rowe Price Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. T. Rowe Price Investment Services Incorporated, distributor, T. Rowe Price Associates Incorporated, investment advisor.